Welcome to Hunt Texas Football Special Live Edition, joined uh, by Eric Nalene, uh, publisher of InsideTexas.com, and, and Justin Wells, reporter, analyst for InsideTexas.com as well. Guys, uh, thanks for joining us on this Friday. Uh, we've seen two practices thus far of the Longhorns. I, I know not only have Justin and I been to practice, Eric, you've talked to some people behind the scenes as well. Uh, you know, what are your initial thoughts, Eric? on what you're hearing uh, out of the Longhorns this season? Uh, my initial thoughts are fans still jump to conclusions. I always get caught by surprise by how much they run with just the littlest morsel, uh, <clears throat> and that turns into a summer-long narrative that we have to combat no matter what. Um, that first day always surprises me. Um, you know, to me, there's not a whole lot to know right now. You know, the, uh, they're not in pads. It's all helmets. They'll go uh, half pads today, half pads uh, Saturday, half pads Monday, and then full pads on Tuesday. Uh, that first Tuesday practice is where you really start to separate the men from the boys. Uh, it's hard to get any information on D-line or offensive line this time of year. Um, you know, I think uh, Deshaun Jameson has been the story so so far, but is that going to carry over to the field? I don't know. He's had four picks in two practices, three yesterday or three on Thursday and one yesterday. Is that going to carry over? Or is that a sign? Is that a sign that that he's you know, real comfortable in man coverage and and getting his eyes on the ball? A lot of people think that he uh, suffers from bad hands because he uh, he misjudges a punt here and there. Uh, really, I think he's either trying to house it or get away from it. That's kind of his gambler mindset, and it, it, it carries over to corner. Um, before we get to questions uh, from the Inside Texas uh, members uh, there on uh, InsideTexas.com, uh, Justin, you were on uh, on campus on Wednesday. I was there yesterday. You know, I felt like Texas had good talent at spots, but they were young at, at certain spots. It, it, it felt like... Um, Texas had a lot of pieces, but not all the pieces. Would you concur with that, or you have a, a nuanced, a different kind of take on it? It's still so early. I mean, they're not really even hitting each other, and so it's hard to tell. The, the biggest difference I can tell is just the size of the players, not just the freshmen that came in, but the guys that have been in the program for, for a little while. Um, they're just significantly bigger. It looks like they've got a bigger haul of guys, and so um, – it, it, wide receiver. It just feels like there's an embarrassment of riches there at wide receiver that we haven't seen over the last few years. There seems like there's a lot, a lot of talent there. Tailback, the offense just it, there's so many, there's so much, there's so much depth there at, at tailback. You go to from Keelan, Bijan, Rashawn, Jonathan Brooks, Jaden Blue catching the ball. Um, the biggest thing for me is just uh, it's just a. Um, it's an it's, it's it's almost like a different program than we've seen. What you know, you bring thirty five guys in, that's a third of your roster, and so I, I I like this these new guys that are in. I think these are Sark's guys, and I think if he's going to be successful, he has to continue to stack these guys and stack these classes one over another. And so I see talent at different spots. Uh, I'd like to see maybe a little bit more in, in certain areas, but the fact that 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 Diamante Tucker Dorsey looks like he's going to be a great find in the portal, I think that helps a little bit with the linebacker spot. The fact that Isaiah Nayor is a legitimate NFL prospect ready-made, I think yeah. is significant. And so I, I don't totally. think – there may be spurts, like you're saying, but right now I think it's too early to tell. I totally agree with you on Nayor. I just want to say that real quick. I mean, he's le- I saw him yesterday. He's legit. I mean, that's just no other two ways to talk about it. Big, physical, runs well, catches well. Uh, he's going to be a handle, uh, especially opposite – Xavier Worthy, who looked like a million bucks yesterday as well. Um, qu- uh, quick question on recruiting. Uh, a lot of Inside Texas members on our, our message board, uh, had I asked them if they wanted to leave some questions for us. One of the very first ones, guys, was about Darian Gallette and his decision coming up today at 3 o'clock. He is the uh, linebacker from Teague, Texas, uh, that is expected to choose between Texas and Texas A&M, as well as Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Alabama, but it really looks like it's down to Texas and Texas A&M, uh, and he announces today at three. Uh, Eric, Justin, either one, either one of you guys want to take that? Well, I'll, I'll speak first, but Justin knows him much better than me or probably anybody else in the market. Um, you know, we shouldn't be getting that question from our readers. I understand we're getting a question like that from YouTube. That makes a lot more sense to me. But, you know, we've been confident on Darian. Of course, there was a little hiccup. You always have to gauge uh, when there's new data. That new data was that visit to A&M. Uh, but that all checked out. Texas has led for a while, uh, but Justin knows them much better. But yeah, of course, we feel confident there still. 
Yeah, Eric nailed it. We, we, we've we been consistent since Texas Relays. I felt like that was kind of the start of, of this, this tilting towards Texas. Then the Texas State track meet. He came in in between those two times for an unofficial visit by himself, got to see practice. That right, made a huge impression on him. And then that official visit in late June, I think that was the was the icing on the cake. I think they did everything they needed to do on that last visit. Of course, AM came on strong. They pushed. Uh, they made it interesting late. But uh, give Jeff Choate a ton of credit. This was a team effort. And if it does wind up, obviously, being in Texas, you got to give a lot of people a lot of credit from the coaches, from the recruiting staff, and from the current players on the team. Uh, this, was a, this was definitely a team effort. Got it. Um, Eric, I'm going to give this one to you uh, because you are the publisher and and you you tend to have that, uh, you know, you tend to take a, a larger view of things. This is from Doc Horn on Inside Texas. Um, is yours the safe pick at QB for Sark? Um, <laughs> I can see that. I mean, there, there's two ways to look at that question. Uh, politically, it's a safe pick, I think, because everybody assumes that uh, – that yours is the guy are going to be the guy. And so, you know, if he has a couple bad games, there's probably more rope just because uh, I think Ewers gets the benefit of the doubt more so than Hudson card. Um, you know, obviously if, if Hudson comes in and struggles, they're going to say, well, you know, a lot of fans think they saw everything they needed to see uh, versus Arkansas last September. I don't think that's the case. I think that's a silly way to look at it. Um, <clears throat> is he, is he not going to be the safe pick if, if we're sitting here chronicling a summer and, and yours is th- throwing picks uh, and then Ewers goes out and throws a bunch of picks. You know, I'm going to have to say, well, he was throwing picks all August. Why would that change during a game setting? So I don't know if he's going to be the same. Politically, he's a safe pick. Practically on the field, I don't know if it's a safe safe pick yet. He's got to cut down on those interceptions. Obviously, he's he's got the upside and the ceiling, uh, probably more so than any other quarterback in all of college football. I think it's safe to say that, not just over Hudson Card, but he's, he's, a, he's a more talented passer than Bryce Young. Last year's Heisman winner is a more talented passer than C.J. Stroud, the guy that beat him out for the number one job last year. Uh, so in that way, it's safe to go with it. Uh, but you know, if he's throwing picks all summer and then he goes and throws a bunch of picks to start the season, that's going to look pretty foolish to me. Um, you know, I want to, I want to show us some clips that we got from yesterday. So our, our producer will put those up here, uh, pretty quick in, and I want to say this, I, I made a comment yesterday. I felt like, um, Hudson card was much quicker getting his footwork in. Um, but Quinn Ewers threw a more, catchable ball you know uh and i wonder justin you were there as well uh you know what did you think when you saw that first day did you feel that way you not necessarily notice that what were your initial thoughts it's pretty similar i i feel like card goes through his progressions a little bit quicker and that's and that's that that should be that way he's been this is his second year in the system he's been on a college campus a little bit longer so I felt like card probably goes through his reads a little quicker gets the ball out a little bit quicker I think Quinn is more natural I think Quinn has more arm talent and I think he relies on that a lot and you know he's worked on the off-platform stuff you know all the way since high school and so footwork with card I don't know if it's as as important as it would be for a Hudson, for, you know, for, for, for Quinn rather than for Card. Card needs to have everything synchronized to, to be able to throw the ball perfectly. Quinn can do it off the hoof. Quinn Got can it. do it, uh, in, you know, impromptu. And that, that's kind of the first impression I had on both those guys. That and the fact that Malik Murphy has an NFL right arm. Uh, that was very evident uh, seeing him in person as well. But with Card, yeah, he, he goes through his reads a little bit quicker, but Quinn's – He's got a whip and, you know, Quinn's a little bit more uh, sandlot playground. And, and, and yeah, the thing I noticed about Quinn was he knows when to put ass on the ball and when to take it off. He, he, he had touch. He knew when to throw it hard. And to me, knowing that already at such a young age, I think shows why he's so uh, highly touted. I, I, I thought I watched him yesterday. It was interesting watching yours. He feathers the ball or flicks it on the underneath stuff because he, he has so much arm. Whereas um, Hudson Card is throws the same type of ball no matter what the yardage is, really. Um, I, I felt I felt like that was true. And I think Malik Murphy actually started flicking the ball on the underneath stuff too, really, really effectively reducing his arm length, which was the big, big uh, issue with him coming out of high school. I think he's already learned uh, some of that. Um, I'm going to ask another question from the message board just to get your feel. And Justin, I'm going to give this one to you. What are your genuine expectations for the kicking game, punting and kicking this year? Ooh, 
Oh, you know, <laughs> that's a good question because, you know, we were talking about it before, I believe last week. I couldn't remember the last time we entered a season with there wasn't a kicker and punter incumbent. There wasn't a guy that was the guy at both spots. And so it's got to keep Jeff Banks up at night uh, because, you know, you never think about special teams, the kicking and the punting until it burns you, until it hurts you. And so that I feel like the next 15 or 16 practices are going to be huge uh, for, for, for those guys to, f- to figure out if Will Stone, the freshman, can take it from the, the, the walk on Burt Auburn. And, 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 you know, Banks takes a lot of pride, you know, that he, he, he emphasizes special teams. You know, he, he's big on the third phases of the game. And I if I'm a Texas fan, I'm a little I'm a little worried. I, w- I want to see how this is going to look and you know, see how this is going to turn out. Uh, I think Will Stone is, you know, and you also understand Cameron Dicker came in as a kicker. And I believe his freshman year, he was he was the guy from day one. There's nothing that we've seen from Will Stone that says he can't do that as well. Will Stone was an outstanding high school kicker. And so if you get those guys some confidence early and, and you figure out the right guys and you get them in the right spots, I think that can gradually get better throughout the season to where it's not so much a worry later in the year. Of course, it's going to bite you a few times. They're new. It, it, that, that's just natural. But I think, you know, I, I love that Jeff Banks is a special teams coach because this isn't going to go unnoticed. This is going to be something that he harps on every single day because, it, just like I said, he is, the third phase of the game is so important to him. So what are reasonable expectations, though? I mean, break that back down. 75% field goal kicking. Most of the balls kicked out of the end zone. What, what, what do you think it is? I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just asking. That's tough. I mean, because we don't, they're unknowns, Bobby. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. I can't Stone, put a percentage on it. Go ahead, Stone Eric. Should, Stone should get the ball out of the end zone quite a bit. He's got a very strong left foot. But nobody knows how they're going to react in front of 100,000 people as opposed to kicking in front of the Austin Regent School. So that's why this, this becomes a fool's errand to even ask that question. It's like um, it's like trying to figure out how Troy O'Meara is going to do this year. We don't know how he's going to do after the injury. That's just too unknown to even offer a, a really valid opinion. But um, obviously they wanted Dicker to come back. They made a spirited effort to bring him back. It didn't work out. Uh, and now so they're going to have some on-the-job training here, and there's going to be some, uh, some, some probably misses that are shanked and probably evidence of him making some long ones with that leg. Stone is probably the most likely to win it. Auburn has a little bit more of a – uh, advantage uh, when it comes to experience, but it doesn't have a whole lot of in-game experience. So until you kick in front of a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred thousand people, you just don't know how it's going to go. Justin, what did you think of uh, Savion Red, the freshman returning punts? I know you <laughs> got to see. You, we talked about him on Wednesday as well. I saw him <laughs> yesterday. Looked good. We had heard some stuff over the summer about Red. You know, you know, not so much making an impact, but 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 getting people's attention. I mean, he's got a great body. The guy is more built than I than I expected. And, and, you know, he's a tremendous athlete. What he did, you know, for, for South Grand Prairie was huge, you know, what he added to them. And then you go to the basketball court, and he's averaged, averaging 25 points a game. I see all that translate. He's got a great-looking body. I, I, I kind of compared him to a Quan Cosby-type body, but I thought Eric mentioned it, or someone on the board had mentioned a different comp earlier. I believe it was Goodley, the wide receiver out of Baylor. Uh, and that I thought, thought that was a really good comp. He is just built. He's got to be 205 pounds, maybe 210. He's rock solid, catches the ball cleanly. Um, and it's funny because remember when he first committed, people had talked about, well, what position? You know, running back, uh, slot, receiver, you know, kind of like that. And and his trainer had said from the start, look, this kid's been a wide receiver his whole life, and he's coming to Texas to play wide receiver. And that was evident. He's definitely a pass catcher. He's de- he's definitely got a, a body that's not like a typical freshman, and he moves pretty effortlessly. He's He might be a guy that nobody really pays attention to in this 2023-2022 class and winds up making an impact uh, early on. And if he can do that in the punt game, he'll make his impact quickly. All right, I, this is interesting. I, I thought he was built like a like a mini tank, Justin. I know that sounds weird, but it, he he, some thighs, body is, yeah, he, he's got thighs. Yeah, you're we're on the same page on that. Hey, Eric, uh, I'm just gonna 
try to be as blunt as possible here. I'm going to make you handle this one because it's going to be it's going to be one of those that you're going to want to handle. Not only in our on our message boards, but also in this YouTube chat. The questions about Ajay Hall and <laughs> Jaleel Billingsley are coming fast and furious. Are they lazy or are they just is something wrong there? I think it, it stems from an article that someone else wrote. Um, I'm going to let you uh, comment on that, and then I'll just sit back and listen. <laughs> Appreciate that one, Bobby. <laughs> um, well, you know, first of all, I don't know why that stuff gets published. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot. It doesn't serve a, a great purpose, I don't think. You know, maybe if they have a bad game or they disappear uh, in September and they're at the end of the bench, maybe you go into a little bit of uh, – uh, detail on why that came to be. Uh, but I, I don't think anybody who's paid attention to what Nick Saban was saying the whole time or the fact that we were totally unsurprised that each guy went into the portal should be totally so shocked about what was reported. Uh, Nick Saban pretty much did all the reporting if you're smart enough to read between the lines. Uh, so, you know, they do have some uh, growing up to do. Um, you know, it's, I'm not saying that they're bad. I'm not saying they're lazy or anything like that, but there's still a, a process to get them fully bought in like, like some of the other guys. They'll never be Roshan or Bijan. Uh, but you do want them to uh, maybe just be a little more consistent is the word I'll use. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I saw I saw Hall yesterday. He dropped four, I think, four passes in a 10-minute stretch. I mean, he, he's clearly struggling catching the ball. Um, we'll have to see what it really means, though. And, and Billingsley was hobbled. Uh, so I, I don't know that you can sit here and say he's lazy. Uh, based on uh, I haven't really heard I haven't really heard lazy on Billingsley uh, I know he gets into it with some other players out on the field quite a bit but that that's you just chalk it up to be in football um, yeah but Ajay Hall was a project uh, coming out of Alabama he was a project going into Alabama uh, he has the tools uh, he just you know as hard as he works as, as, the harder he works the better he's going to get so you know the proof will be in the pudding if if he's contributing later in the year but you know when he when he picked Texas you know we we had mentioned that this is a high boomer bust uh, potential. You know, it's uh, he's not a sure thing. He's coming in with a lot of questions, and uh, you know, it's early August. Let's give him some time to answer those questions. Yep. Um, you know, one one comment uh, is every team in the Big Twelve has depth issues, and we talk about Texas having depth issues as well, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, Texas clearly has some top line guys. I mentioned Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy this morning in that article. Um, vis-a-vis -vis other teams, Eric, uh, what do you think of Texas's talent compared to the rest of the big 12? Well, I mean, the mass exodus at OU guaranteed that Texas has the most talented roster in the, in the conference. And so, you know, the, Texas does have some depth issues everywhere, except for offensive line where the issues there are the starters. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a reversal. Um, Texas has the most talented roster in the in the in the conference. I don't think that's in in any question. It's just you know how 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 well can you overcome those where there are depth issues? They're going to have to overcome them. They I think they have the roster to do it, uh, but they have a lot of questions on defense that some of the other programs don't have uh, when it comes to continuity and just being on the same page. But you know a lot of teams lost a lot of players this year. Um, Texas Texas's roster has improved from head to toe. I don't know how many other other uh, uh, teams would say that. And the, um, state, and the state's improved from last year. Uh, who else has improved? Baylor lost talent. Oak State lost talent. I mean, they're, Texas should be the conference favorite from my estimation. But, um, you know, that's removing the other questions that we know they have on defense and stuff. But just from a pure talent standpoint, you would say Texas is the most talented. It's not even a question. Um. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Justin, I'm skipping around here. Uh, another question come in. Who is, if Galette goes to Texas, who else, uh, who's next? For the Longhorns, if you're a member of Inside Texas, you should probably know this. Uh, but I guess more. Uh, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to start giving out tests. We're gonna have to start yeah. giving out Scantron sheets to our readers. Uh, well, I think you know Braylon Shelby announces tomorrow, and he is. We expect him to go to USC over Texas, uh, unless something changes in the next 24 hours. Uh, but um, Justin, uh, who's next after uh, Darian Gillette if he indeed does pick Texas? The next fifth, the next uh, 10 days line up pretty nicely. 
<laughs> you know, uh, the next one I would expect after Gallette would be on August 10th. And that is uh, Edgewater tailback Cedric Baxter out of Orlando, Florida. Uh, number one running back, I believe, on on three uh, recruiting rankings for 2023. Um, you know, when you get the number one quarterback in the country, the best thing you can do is hand him the number one running back in the country. And this has been a, a recruitment where Tashar Choice came in to, to, to make a splash in recruiting. He, he came in to do this, to do exactly what he's doing. He built these relationships with these kids years ago. And so Tashar Choice came in to make a big splash. And I, and I think that Cedric Baxter would be a cannonball. And that's the guy that I would expect next. Like you said, Braylon Shelby, he, he's going to announce on Saturday. We expect it to be Southern Cal right now. We feel like Texas is going to recruit through the whistle, obviously. But if there was a guy after Gallette, and you're a member at Inside Texas, you better have you better know that answer. Uh, we feel very strongly about Cedric Baxter and, and where Texas is in that in that recruitment. And really, that's going to put another jolt into this class. I, I can't wait to see where they're ranked after that guy comes in. Um, Justin, I want I want to stick with you here. Uh, for a second, because you were at practice as well. What do you think of Kelvin Banks, the true freshman offensive lineman? He doesn't look like a freshman. He doesn't. He just he's just big. He's a big kid. Um, he's athletic. He's he's one of those that I may have underestimated a little bit. I think Eric even mentioned last year that he thought he might be the best player in the state for that class. And now I think I know why he's saying that. This guy, I, I felt like there'd be a small adjustment period, and there still might be, you know, because he's new, but Kelvin doesn't look like a freshman and he really doesn't move like a freshman either. He's there's some fluidity there. There's some athleticism and that's what you look for in an, in a left tackle. I believe. I believe if you're looking for a franchise left tackle, that's, that's the kind of guy you're looking for. And so to me, that was the first impression. Obviously all those new offenses, most of those offensive linemen are just big kids, but Kelvin doesn't look like a freshman. He looks like he's been on campus a couple of years. He looks like he knows exactly what he's doing. And we've also reported a lot of that over, over the summer where he had been making an impact, you know, just how bright he is, just how smart he is. Malik Ogbo had been the same way. He, he's a sharp kid, and he picks up stuff fast. And I think that's why you see both those guys on the left side of that third-team offensive line. But Banks, my first impression is he looks like a redshirt junior. He doesn't look like a freshman, and he doesn't necessarily, you know, a lot of times with true freshmen, they're behind in the drills. They're, they're in the very back of the lines. Banks wasn't that. Banks was usually up near the front, and so he, he doesn't look like a freshman to me. I, I, I made a comment last night after watching them yesterday. The third-team offensive line were all freshmen except for Junior Angelau was running at center. He was running first – Angelau was running first-team left guard. The third-team offensive line were all those freshmen, and they were, I mean, big humans, whatever the heck you want to call it. They were freaky. I mean, <laughs> I was like – I mean, my I've seen a lot of football in my days, and they are just huge. I, I was I, they are as advertised, in my opinion. We'll see what happens when the pads come on. Bobby, uh, I was surprised at how agile um, Ogbo was. Yeah, how light on his feet. I, I, I'll be the first one to admit I didn't I didn't give him as much credit as some of these other guys that came into this class. He, he, he tap dances. That guy has incredible feet for a guy his size. That might wind up being a Pacific Northwest steal. No doubt. I, I had a question for Eric, and I want to switch back to you, Eric. Um, you talked a little bit about, um, uh, about the Big 12 and where Texas ranks. Uh, another question that I think is a good one that we don't offer and get to, is there anybody in particular, in your opinion, that Texas doesn't match up well with? Like for whatever reason, um, whether it's, uh, you know, Texas secondary may not be as strong as we, we, we would hope. And so therefore a good passing game beats what anything like that, that you don't think they match up particularly well with. Yeah. You know, what are, what are they going to struggle with this year uh, is getting after the passer. Um, you know, that's, that's the biggest concern. So any, any quarterback that is going to have time to carve them up is going to be a concern. Now, who is that? You know, maybe the shaping kid at Baylor. Uh, of course, he lost some weapons. Uh, he lost some offensive weapons that he's going to need. And they lost the, the, the running back who was Abram Smith, who had a stellar year last year. I thought he was even as good as he was. I th thought he was underrated. Um, you know, so maybe shaping from that standpoint, um, any team that can run the ball, you know, maybe K-State a little bit and then get the guys out in space. Deuce Vaughn uh, can scare you a little bit. Uh, West Virginia has the ability to scare you. With, you know, Neil Brown's a heck of a coach. I think he's underrated despite, you know, West Virginia having some struggles over the years. He's, I think he's doing about as well as he can with the talent he has. 
you know, I'm not really worried about uh, Oklahoma, which is, you know, I'm, beyond the fact that you just worry about Oklahoma every year, just even if they're bad uh, and Texas is good, you still worry just because that game uh, had so many uh, variations of it. You know, the, the underdog has won so many times. Uh, but, I, you know, I think Baylor from the from the ability to, to buy time and, and pass the ball around. And then, you know, the Jeff Grimes is a hell of an offensive coordinator. I can't believe he's not a head coach right now. Uh, so, so maybe Baylor from that standpoint, when you're looking at uh, their strengths playing the UT's weaknesses. Um, staying on that, um, you, you, you do a lot of stuff with X's and O's and, and understand football at, at a very deep level. Texas is talking about tweaking its defense somewhat. Sark is not on Wednesday, he would not tell people exactly what that meant on Tuesday. I can't remember what it was. He kind of avoided the question and cited um, competitive reasons for doing so, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what do you see Texas doing a little bit differently? Try to explain it in layman's terms uh, so that people out there can understand how you think Texas might look at tweaking its defense a little bit this year. Well, I'll kind of reiterate some of the things that he said publicly just so I don't get in trouble or anything. Uh, but, you know, he said that they're going to run more man coverage. And when you do that, the whole reason to run man coverage is to bring extra pressure. Uh, and so I think that's going to be the goal. And they've got the defensive backs. If we're looking at, you know, uh, if we're looking at one blessing of that defense is they have the coverage ability in the back end to, to play man. And that's, you know, the, the reason they moved Jade Barron to star, which is, you know, the nickel. You might know uh, more of you might know it as nickel. Uh, is to get more coverage on the field. A lot of offenses put their top wide receiver at slot. Uh, and if you're you're trying to track that slot with a typical bigger nickel, it's not going to work out very well. Think P.J. Locke on a slot. You'd much rather have somebody with Jade Barron's uh, coverage ability. Um, so, you know, they're going to run more man, and the, the whole idea for that is is to bring pressure. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, linebackers probably getting a higher sack total than we've seen probably since the uh, Malik Jefferson, Gary Johnson year. Uh, and also I think they're going to get a little creative with the uh, DeMarvin Overshone. I uh, got a question about Ishmael Ibrahim, uh, the backup corner, uh, was uh, off the team, not off the team, but suspended uh, for a lot of last season. I got a chance to see him a little bit yesterday. A question about him. Um, I don't know that they fully know what they have. I I think that they're, if they didn't think he was could play for them, I'm not sure he'd still be on the team. I'll just be right. blunt about that because they obviously see something uh, that that they wanted in that that mix. Um, I'm going to uh, ask a couple questions off the YouTube chat now. Um, just a thought process, I guess, on uh, one thing, and that's whether or not uh, whether or not Quinn Ewers and his time at Ohio State was actually instructive, or just he kind of wasted some time. Uh, based on the fact that he didn't really get into play. Yeah, he got some uh, scrimmage time whenever he was with the threes or fours at Ohio State, but was that really an instructive time for him, or was that a lost year? And that's put him maybe a half step behind uh, where he should be. Uh, either either one of you want to take that? Yeah, I, I, don't think he, I don't think he optimized his time by doing it, but I wouldn't call it a waste either. Uh, Texas fans should be extremely happy that he reclassified uh, because that greased the skids for uh, uh, for Arch Manning in, in this class. And so even though, you know, he was once in 2022 and Arch in 2023, they were never going to go back to back, I don't think. So his reclassification was good regardless. Uh, now, it, there's no way it was a waste of time. I don't think it was the best use of, it, of his time. The best use of his time would be to reclassify and go to Texas, uh, the, the school he's at now. Uh, but you still get uh, an idea of, of being away from home. You still, you know, you get that homesickness that I think a lot of kids uh, have, even if they don't admit it. Uh, you get to you get to understand the accountability within a program, the regimented uh, nature of it, uh, the speed of the game out there on the field, the size of the athletes. You have to adapt, even though Quinn played the highest level in Texas football. There's still an adaptation period. Uh, so no, it, there's no way it was a total loss. It just wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say it was the best use of his time. I think with Quinn, Bobby. I think Columbus showed him how much he wanted to be in Austin. I think his time there kind of because for for the you know for the longest time Quinn Ewers has wanted to be a Longhorn. We've all known that, reported that, and been you know on top of that from beginning to end. I think his time in Columbus. I agree totally with Eric said. You know, not not so much a strong use of time, but but not a waste either. I think it confirmed he wanted to come home. You know, when he tweeted out he was coming back, Alexis, take me back to Texas. I think it was that homesickness. I think it was a combination of he just didn't, you know, he came into a, a program 
without the recruits. You usually come in with the class you've been recruited in and you get to know those guys. He came in with none of the guys he knew, basically. And so it, it wasn't the best situation. And I think all it did for that six month period or five month period is prove how much he really wanted to be home and how much he really wanted to be in Austin. And I think that's why he's he's been such he's been so progressive over the you know since January I think that's why there's so many good things that are coming out about him because he's finally happy he's he's happy where he's at and he's ready to work um Brandon Offerman thank you for your uh, donation on the super chat hey uh Eric I want to ask you this okay um if you're looking at it right now okay and you're saying to yourself that Marion Overshone and this comes from Danny is going to make seven and a half sacks this year. You take the over or under? Oh man, why do you keep giving me these questions, man? Because uh, you're, yeah, you're the you're the grand poobah. You've got to have all the answers, my man. I mean, based on the scheme usage that we hear, um, I would say that he'd be in that neighborhood, six to eight, somewhere like that. Um, but I, I have to see it. You know, they like the they like the traits that he has to pass rush, and that's not just blitzing up to the A gap and B gap. Um, you know, they like him off the edge, his quickness off the edge. He's flexible, obviously. He's a little undersized, but that quickness can be uh, used to his advantage. We've seen some uh, really smaller defensive ends in recent years uh, put up some pretty big sack numbers. Uh, so there's no real reason to think that he can't. Now, uh, he's also dependent on what's going on around him. You know, uh, if Ovi takes that next step, then Ovi's going to encroach on some of that usage. Um, if they don't figure out the other, uh, the will linebacker spot, Absent to Marvian, then he's not going to be able to freelance. So that means that uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey or David Benda have to continue to step up. We know Jalen Ford is going to at least start and, and probably be solid at a minimum. Uh, so he needs a, those other guys to step up as well. Uh, but based on how we're, we're hearing that they're going to use them, I think that that is a pretty good number to put the over under at. I think Danny has an idea of what he's talking about. Uh, I would say between six and eight. Uh, but, you know, I mean, he's. PK, Ian did a deep dive on PK the other day, and he's got some pretty good sack numbers out of some guys that you've never heard of and haven't heard of since. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I just don't want to really put a prediction out there without having seen it. Now, if I see him come out um, against Louisiana Monroe and be used on the edge uh, about as much as we're hearing about right now, then then I think that number might end up being low. Uh, let me follow that up real quick, Eric. Do you think the emergence of either Tucker Dorsey and or – David Benda, and not just emergence, but the reliability or consistency of those guys to man the middle as well helps Overshone get to that number? Absolutely, because then they're going to put him on the edge more. Um, and Diamante Tucker Dorsey, is uh, he had a pick yesterday in practice. Uh, he had a, a, quite a few of them in seven-on-seven. Seven. Uh, and this isn't what he's known for. What he's known for is finding the ball in traffic. And so once the pads come on, we might start even hearing more uh, positive things about him. Uh, and, and then, you know, the staff is going to feel really good about playing over showing outside on the edge and, and doing different things on the look. They're, they're, you know, I think they've got some ideas on on getting five guys across the front, Ovi on one side, DeMarvian on on the other, and, and three bigger interior linemen uh, in the middle. Uh, and I think they're, they're, they're getting the ability to do a lot more things, and, and that kind of stems back to what we were talking about, being able to run more man coverage behind them. Justin, uh, recruiting question from uh, Brian Hickey. Uh, who does the staff focus on in recruiting – after those three guys, after uh, Gallette, then Baxter, then Matthews, what, what's in your mind? If they got all three, that would put them at 23 commitments. Where where do they focus next? And I know you wrote a little bit about it in the Humidor. Guys, uh, by the way, uh, Humidor is a, a once a week uh, article we post on Inside Texas that has all the inside scoop that Eric, Justin, Jerry, uh, those guys produce. And it's, it's a must read, in my opinion. Uh, on Inside Texas. But Justin, tell us where um, they go from there, where their focus you think goes. I, I, I think they go to edge, linebacker and edge. With Leona LaFowle, you've got your inside guy. With Darren Gallette, they're recruiting him at all three spots, and he could potentially turn into an edge because of his size, and I think he's going to keep growing. If I'm Texas, I make the phone call to Tassilia Kana out of uh, a Sky Ridge High School in Lehigh, Utah. Uh, he's a guy that's really close with LaFowle from their days in Hawaii. Um, he's a guy that that's built a really good relationship with the Texas staff. He's been in visit a few times. Um, if I'm Texas, you know, he, it's looking like he's going to, he's going to take an, he's probably going to take an official to Texas in the fall. The sooner they get him on campus, which I wouldn't be surprised if he's not there for the Texas Alabama game. I think a lot of prospects are clamoring for, for those tickets. Uh, getting him in there to me would be my first 
priority. I would go straight to Akana and figure out where they're at in that recruitment. We knew Oregon was on there for a while. We know OU had made kind of a push, but then they grabbed Vosick. We know that A&M has been pushing here lately, trying to get him on campus as well. And so if I'm the recruiting staff, I'm looking at uh, getting another edge. I'm calling Akana, getting that thing taken care of. And then uh, I might start cherry picking. I might, I might hold a few of those spots and see what the season brings to see about any flippable candidates down the line because I know they're going to recruit some of these other guys that they may have lost through the whistle. And DJ Hicks would be the main one. I mean, that, that recruitment's really not going to start till November, December anyway. But that's a guy that I feel like they've – if they play well this year, you know, it's going to be between OU, Texas, and Texas A&M. If they play well this year, uh, that's another guy that, that they're definitely going to have on the radar. I want to mention this real quick. Albert Pola asked about Troy O'Meara and how he was doing. I know you saw him as well as I did, uh, Justin. He's doing much better than he was uh, uh, you know, a short time ago. I, the question is whether or not he's ever going to get back to full strength. He, for my, uh, he just has the best hands on the team. I mean, it's they, the ball attaches to his hands, period. I don't know how else to put it. At the same time, He's still doing mostly straight line stuff. He did run some some uh, routes yesterday that were were not straight line. So we'll have to see how that goes. He's doing better. I wouldn't put him back to 100% by any stretch. I will say he's doing much better than Jaden Alexis, uh, another young man that's trying out trying to overcome a knee injury who just he's just not back yet. He's not uh, running as as well as he uh, possibly can. Um, Eric, I want to also talk Bobby about- real quick on Troy. The beauty about Troy and this staff, they can handle him with kid gloves. If, if they didn't bring in all the guys they did in the offseason, that was a guy you may have to rely on, and, and that's that wouldn't have been ready. He, he's not ready for that assignment. But the fact they brought in the Naor, the Hall, the Milton, you know, those guys, I think it allows the staff to be a little bit more cautious with Troy because, like you said, he catches everything. I forgot how big he is and wide. I mean, he's like a like a condor. I mean, this dude has a wingspan that would make Jerry blush. And the fact that he was running like he was, I love just seeing him out there back in the fold. He had to rest a few times because I think the, the speed of it kind of caught up with him, caught, caught up with his wind. But like you said, man, that dude catches everything. He's like a fly trap. And I love that they don't have to have him right now. They can handle him with kid gloves. They can make sure they get him in the right spot, get him back to where he needs to be because they've got other guys that they're going to focus on this year. I was joking. You mentioned how big he is. I was joking yesterday uh, with John Bianco, the SID, Sports Information Director for the University of Texas. And he goes, Isaiah Nayor is the biggest wide receiver out there. And I looked up and I saw <laughs> Troy Amiri immediately. I said, he may be wider than Troy Amiri, but he ain't taller. Uh, Troy Amiri is the, the tallest guy out there. <laughs> Both impressive looking dudes, in my uh, my opinion. Um, another question. This one's for, for Eric. Eric, I know you pay particular attention to the defensive backfield for Texas. Uh, one guy uh, called the SEC, I guess Texas's future conference uh, reference there, wants to know, what about Jalen Gilbo? Have you heard anything about the true freshman from Port Arthur? Gilbo would probably be the number four corner right now. Uh, that would be <clears throat> Watts and uh, Jameson starting. Uh, and then number three would probably be Jameer Johnson. And then number four would probably be Gilbo, which has him ahead of Terrence Brooks and some of those other guys. Ishmael Ibrahim uh, has him ahead of some guys that they, they really do like. Um, uh, Gilbo can also factor in at star. Uh, right now, your star is uh, Jade Barron and Michael Taft, and then uh, Gilbo's working there as well. And so, yeah, it, Gilbo has a – you know, they really like Gilbo's uh, uh, mentality. Um, you know, he's, he's got versatility. I don't know if he's going to be a corner forever, uh, but his speed has, has pleasantly surprised since he got on campus. That was kind of the big knock on whether or not he could stay at corner. And uh, the fact that he's still at corner is, is a good sign. Uh, but his long-term position still might be star, but we'll see. But uh, he's going to play this year. I expect to see him making plays on special teams. The, the good thing about that young defensive uh, backfield group is that you, you bolster your special teams and your coverage teams at the same time. Eric, I'm going to stay with you on this. Um, what, uh, what does – Cody Martelin wants to know, what does the 2023 – so one year hence, what does the running back depth chart look like then? Uh, by then I would predict a two headed monster of, uh, Jaden blue and, and Jonathan Brooks. Those are your two volume backs. You'll still have uh, Keelan Robinson and whatever role that they define for him this season. Uh, so they look really good there. Uh, if Cedric Baxter, of course, if they get him, he's going to play a lot. He's too good to keep off the field. 
Um, you know, I, I feel really confident about on threes ranking him as the number one running back in the nation. Um, you know, they were on that one pretty early. Um, I was a bit skeptical at first and then, uh, you know, I, I rolled the tape and I said, okay, yeah, yeah, that, that checks out. Uh, he would play a lot for sure, but Jaden blue is, um, Jaden blue is athletic as hell. He's, you know, in the, in the sprint drills, he's easily the fastest running back of the volume guys. I'm not saying he's faster than Keelan Robinson, but of the guys that you could, you could give 18 to 20 carries. Uh, he's the fastest and it's not even close. And then Jonathan Brooks has those nuanced traits that I think are lost on fans until you see that cut live and in person. Uh, and so they're, they're going to be really, they're going to be in really good shape. Obviously there's going to be a drop off because Baxter won't be in his second year. Uh, and so you, you know, you lose the leadership from Rashawn, you lose the leadership and the ability uh, from Bijan. Uh, and so they're going to probably lose some versatility uh, going from that group to this group. Uh, but I think they're still going to be extremely talented. And, and by then, you know, the offensive line is going to be a lot better. Uh, you know, the offensive skill, the quarterback position is going to be more firm. Uh, so the 2023 running backs are going to be uh, very productive. Uh, but 2024 is probably the year for that position. Uh, for those that are coming in late, um, Matt, our producer, I want to ask you to roll back some of that footage we saw on the quarterbacks early uh, and, and go back over this. because People are connect, con con continuing to have uh, some questions about that. I brought up Malik Murphy. Justin, you mentioned him too. Eric, obviously he's not a competitor for the job right away, uh, but what do you think of a development or mental player like Malik Murphy uh, uh, for the Longhorns at quarterback? I like a lot of things about it. I like, uh, you know, number one is his uh, awareness and mental makeup to, to join the fray. Uh, he knows that Sark is going to stack that roster with talented guys and he's ready to come in and compete. Uh, you know, after overcoming his injury that he showed up with, uh, he's jumped in the mix there and they're not hesitating to get him rips. You know, they, a lot of times they play games. Maybe you got to move your way. They've got Kelvin Banks, number three left tackle, even though everybody knows he's probably gonna be number one by the time October rolls around. Uh, but they didn't, you know, they didn't mess around with Malik. They just put him in number three and they, they started getting him ready as soon as possible. Um, you know, I, I'm curious about hearing more about him uh, in the pocket under duress, you know, because the knocks on him have been, you know, his feet haven't been super quick within the pocket and his, his uh, that was a good throw there. Uh, his motion has been a little long, uh, but if he quick, if he speeds that stuff up, uh, he's got a chance to be really, really good. I don't think there's going to be any limitations as far as understanding the game. I don't think there's any limitations on leadership. Um, you know, and my favorite thing that I've always said about him is for a big quarterback, he really knows how to change speeds. A lot of those times they just rocket it in there every time he's got really good touch when he wants to. So, uh, you know, number one is that kid's self-awareness that, Hey, I need to go and learn from the best. And that's why he picked Texas. Uh, and then, you know, there's a huge, there's, there's definitely some risk with him just because uh, the timing might not be great. Uh, but, you know, so, Sark saw the, the raw materials and we've heard from other Pac-12 Pac coaches that knew him pretty well recently that, that say he's either going to be a top five pick or, or maybe he's going to have to transfer out. But either way, uh, you know, he's got, he's, got, he's got a chance to be really good. Yeah, I, I liked him a lot. Hey, hey, Justin, a lot of people are bagging on you because of the Boston Red Sox hat. Yeah, I know, you, I know you're a Rangers hat, and you can't. Yeah. You're so embarrassed these days, you can't even wear that. Uh, he, he Rangers have just taken a nosedive last ten years. He thinks he's Johnny Damon over there. <laughs> he wishes he was Johnny Damon in his front. Hey, Justin. In all seriousness, I'm coming back to you on something right now, um, and that's a question on Jalen Hale. Uh, you're there in East Texas. I know you went up and saw him either this week or last. Uh, just before his Alabama visit and Texas A&M visit. Uh, he's, give, a, give folks a, a rundown of where you think that recruitment is right now. I think, I think Texas has put themselves in probably the best position in his recruitment since it started. You know, he's, he started getting offers two and a half years ago. I think this is the best position they've been in. I think it's taken – I've said this before. It, take, it took three wide receiver coaches at Texas to finally get through to him. Uh, he never really connected with Maringer or with Coach Coleman. And so Marion's done a tremendous job there. The recruiting class has done a really good job there. Jonte Cook has, has built a strong relationship there. Arch Manning is, is checking in on him on a regular basis. With Jalen, the thing you have to worry about, is, I, and I think this is Texas and Alabama, I, I, I think uh, I don't think George is going to be in the mix, and I don't think Texas a and is going to be in the, mix, in the final say. Um, the, the, I, I love where Texas is at. But I'm also a little leery of Alabama because this, you know, they they have focused on him. They, you know, Alabama can recruit you. They can offer you. They can invite you to campus. But when they start pushing, that's a tough 
that's a tough staff to say no to. Just ask Jamari Miller. They went full court on him last year, and it worked towards the end. And so with Jalen, that's my only hiccup right now, as I know that, that, that Coach Wiggins and I know Coach Saban have made him a priority. I talked to his coach actually two days ago, and he said, look, he's going to be back at Alabama, you know, for his official visit. And they really, really want him. They've made they've made him a, a priority right now. And so if it was any other school, I'd probably think, yeah, I feel I feel good about my Texas pick. But the fact that Bama's putting him as a priority, you always have to factor that in because they can they can they can turn a kid's mind really quick, real fast. The biggest thing for J, for, for Jalen is going to be Steve Sarkeesian and these receivers. He loves how Sark gets these guys in mismatches. He loves how he finds these guys in different roles. And, and he's the quintessential outside guy that can just let it go, just, just, head, just head down the field. And he's really good on, 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 on high-pointing the ball and, and using his athleticism and his length. I mean, he's barely 6'2", but he's got the body in the, string, in the, the stretch of like 6'3", 6'4". It, his, his body's kind of weird because of his shoulders and his chest. Um, I love where Texas is at, but I'm going to tell you, Alabama's not letting up. And so this is going to be a, a full 12 rounds of, of boxing. This is a fight to, to get Jalen Hale into Austin. I remember that watching the state championship game uh, for Longview when Hale was a sophomore and he ran that post route. And I was like, he's legit. I, when he ran that and caught that, you just knew, I mean, you, you knew you were watching some guy that had have what it takes. Um, don't forget, don't forget with Jalen. He played basketball, AAU basketball with TJ Ford's group for years, and he still checks in on TJ. That, that's a good relationship there. And if you don't think TJ's not telling him about the virtues of Austin, think again, Jack. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, we're talking with uh, Eric Nolene, publisher, InsideTexas.com, Justin Wells, reporter, analyst for InsideTexas.com as well. Uh, it's been a good, it's been a good chat. We've had some fun today. Uh Remember, folks, 50% off of your subscription. If it's a new subscription to Inside Texas, we really are trying to uh, create more content for folks like this video, uh, as well as more people on the staff uh, coming in. We're adding uh, a coach uh, to the weekly uh, article count. He'll be coming in talking about the Longhorns every day. Uh, a former uh, high school state championship coach uh, named Brian Irwin. Uh, doing some other stuff as well. Added Tommy Yarish, uh, the uh, reporter, uh, to the list as well. So please give us a shot at InsideTexas.com. Uh, we're really trying to push there. Um, Eric, I, I've got some more questions for you. And this is going to be one of those where you have to kind of tell me what you think. Because I, Justin and I have seen Jatavian Sanders in the last couple of days. He's continuing to remake his body. I think that Justin and I firmly believe that. But how good of a blocker do you actually think he can be and will he help Bijan? you know what Sark loves to use his tight end as a blocker right yeah, right as do all coaches uh, when they have a back like Bijan. where do you think he ends up is he going to be is he going to be like a, a a C blocker or is he going to be a D or an F blocker or is he is he going to be an A or a B I mean what are your what are you thinking there well, based on spring, uh, what I was hearing, I was selling him to the board as a as a C blocker, an average blocker, which you know you'll take given his uh, you know tremendous athletic gifts as a receiver. Uh, and then he had a really good game in the spring game, but I don't know what that says about Texas's edge, which of course we know that they have questions on. So you know, there's that that whole zero sum where it's impossible to know is it, are, is the is the blocking good or is the is the uh, pass rushing or, or run defense bad? Uh, and so I would say that I think I expect him to be average this season. Uh, but to me, that's a big win because that, you know, anything that helps keep him on the field uh, is going to allow Sark to do uh, more creative things with him. Uh, Billingsley, you know, there's there's so many different ways that they can motion around uh, and get those mismatches that Jalen Hill says he likes. Uh, and, you know, but number one is being able to block at least credibly. Uh, and I think he's going to be a credible blocker. Got it. Um, you saw him yes, uh, earlier this week, Justin. What are your thoughts there on on uh, Jatavian? Jatavian's a big guy that if he's bought in, you're going to get the best of him. And I think I'm not, I'm not saying he wasn't bought in last year, but I don't think he was mentally prepared for, for college football. I, I think he came in uh, a little entitled and a little out of shape. 
and it took him an off season and, and a full season, obviously, but it took him this off, this off season to, to kind of reconstruct himself, not just his body, but his mentality. You know, you talk to his coaches at Denton Ryan and they, they you know, they, they talked to him in December and January and they were kind of expecting possible portal talk. They thought, well, he may not be happy. He might want to leave, but he came into the football facility and talked the opposite. He's like, guys, I got to work harder. He goes, there's a spot open at tight end. There's no incumbent there. I'm going to take it. I'm going to come. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to make them force me into that starting lineup. So when you get a motivated Jatavian Sanders, I think that's the best thing you can get. I'm with Eric. It's probably a C blocker because we don't know what to expect yet. He hasn't really blocked at this level. Uh, but he's such a big, wide kid. You hope he can at least, you know, grapple with a handful of these guys and, and make, you know, get just enough of a rub, just enough of, a, of an edge to, to let Bijan or Rashawn go around him. Um, it's it's going to be, it remains to be seen. But like I said, if he's bought in, when Jatavian's bought in, you got a ball player. And I think he is fully focused on this year. And I think that's why we've seen him running with the ones at, at tied in at, at the beginning of those drills. Because he's he's earned that respect, not just from the players on the team. And trust me, there are guys on the team that have a completely new opinion of this kid. The coaching yeah. staff as well. And Jeff Banks, you know, you want the most bang for your buck. And this is a guy that prides himself on the tight end position. And so I, I'm with Eric. He's probably a C on the blocking level just because we don't we don't know yet. We need to see what he looks like in, with live action. But it, when he's bought in, Jatavian Sanders is a different animal. Yeah, he gives he, he's value add because he gives Sark a lot of versatility in what he can draw up. Um, but, yeah, you know, in December, I was thinking Gunnar Helm was going to be the starting tight end. And then, you know, the, our first early reports on when the team returned in January was that, you know, Jatavian Sanders flipped the switch. And, uh, and that bore out in the spring. Uh, Gunnar Helm's going to play a lot this year, don't get me wrong. Uh, but it's Sanders as, lo as long as he truly wants it. Um, Eric and Justin, I want I want all of us to give our take on this one subject because I think it's one from the Inside Texas message boards. Who is receiver number four for the Longhorns? We all know, or we all think, it goes Xavier Worthy, Isaiah Nayor, and Justin Jordan Whittington. You, you can mix and match the order however you want to, right? But those are the, the expected first three. Who's receiver number four? Are we, are we counting tight ends? Are we counting tight ends? You, you cannot include a tight These are receivers. Okay. Uh, let me see here. I've got one. Go for it, Justin. Tariq Milton. The transfer from Iowa State. Uh, I believe Joe or Ian at Big 12 Media Days talked to Matt Campbell, and they asked about Tariq, and he couldn't have said any nicer things. I mean, he was just praising after praising about his maturity and his ability and his, his hope that this guy is going to, you know, find his spot, his niche. I, every time I talk to somebody, they think this guy's a professional. He's he's been here. He's mature. He, there's a calming presence about him that really attracts these younger players. And so I don't know if he's going to be wide receiver number four, but I'm starting to buy stock on Tariq Milton. If this guy's healthy and we, we I believe we wrote about it earlier. You know, the slot position was one that we were a little worried about last year. This year, it seems like it, it, they're stacking up a few more bodies. And so I'm, my, my choice would probably be Tariq Milton. Well, I, I was worried about slots six weeks ago. <laughs> uh, but now we have, you know, as long as Whittington stays healthy, they're in a good spot. But he's he's a good one because, you know, Whittington, you know, his history is that he's going to miss a little time and then Milton would be the most likely to step in. Um, there, that, you know, that's to me, that's a good question because there's so much uh, variance on who it could be. Um, you know, uh, is it going to be a Jai Hall? I think he's going to be more of a go route runner. And I would think, you know, maybe 20 receptions this year for him. Uh, and so I would I would fade that as the number four guy. Uh, Casey Kane is is right behind Nair, uh, at least right now. And I don't but I don't think Nair is going to come off the field a whole lot. Nair and Worthy are the two that stay on and when they're even when they're in 12 personnel with two tight ends. Uh, so number four, I don't know. I might I might I might be sold on Milton just because I think he is going to play uh, quite a bit. And they are lining him up in different places, not just slot, which I think is right. interesting. Um, before I answer, I want to say thanks to Michael Saucedo for your donation that really, really is helpful uh, and helps us uh, do this. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to give you guys my guy. And fingers crossed, he stays healthy. And that's Troy O'Meara. Okay. I feel like he's closer to being ready than maybe I gave him credit for after watching. <laughs> I, I, I feel, and, and to your point though, Eric, I will say this. If Nayor doesn't come off the field so much, right. he's such a deep threat. That could that could limit his reps, 
But boy, I was impressed. I was. Yeah, you you can't fake running twenty two point four miles per hour now, and, and so there's utility even if he is just running verticals all day, especially in this offense, uh, especially with those hands and it's you know that catch radius is is huge. Uh, the reliability is huge too, so he can become a stick mover on stop routes. Um, so I, I think that's fair if he stays healthy. You know, it's it's, it's it could be in any number uh, number of guys, but I tend to think Jaleel Billingsley will have the fourth most receptions on the team, and uh, Jatavian Sanders might be fifth. Gotcha. Um, a lot of people asking about Brendan Thompson. Uh, I think he's going to be a slot, and boy, he's fast. I mean, he is he is small out there, but if he yeah. plays, I will say this: he's little. He is little, but you know what? Xavier Worthy's smallish too, but he plays big. He plays physical. Yeah. If, if Brennan will at least take that kind of mentality to it, he's going to be fine. I, I, you know, I heard that exact comparison. You know, somebody told me small, uh, maybe a little bit bigger than Worthy, but he, he does have a similar mentality and a similar confidence. I think that confidence comes from, you know, that the track as much as anything. He, he knows his speed uh, is there. Uh, the encouraging thing that to, that we're hearing about him is that he's making catches at you know, different levels of the field. He's not just he's not just winning with speed, but also quickness and, and coming down with the ball. I had not seen him in person until yesterday. Good hands. Yeah, catches. I was clean. expecting more body catches. I was too, because, Justin. And yeah. it wasn't like that at all. He was catching with separation there, and to me, that was the probably the most noticeable thing about him. I was expecting the other. One one other thing I want to mention about the receivers that I saw yesterday. Um, and I, I talked with Jerry about this this morning, um, and I was trying to explain to him why I thought Xavier Worthy looked so good and why Troy O'Meara and even uh, a couple other guys. Xavier Worthy does everything quick. He doesn't just yeah. run his routes quick. He just doesn't cut quick. He gets his hands up quick. Yeah. He gets, after he gets the ball, he's quick running. I mean, he is – I mean, it's quickness across the board – and you know what? A lot of people get their hands up early on deep routes. Like I noticed Casey Kane, uh, you know, he's not the fastest guy. He gets his hands up kind of kind of early on deep balls, and it slows them down. Omir did not. Um, well, that, that, also, that also tips the DB, too, when you do that, tips the DB. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm saying – what I'm saying is I noticed that, but I tell you what, if, if you want to know why Xavier Worthy, even though he's – you know, he's not the fastest guy. He's fast. He's not the biggest guy, et cetera. You want to know why that dude's good? He's quick at everything. I mean, yeah. just, I mean, he just flashes his hands and he, all the butt, all of a sudden the ball's in his mitts and he's running. I mean, it's. I think with all the new toys on the, on the roster, I think everybody's kind of, uh, you know, forgetting about him a little bit. His acceleration, yeah. it's, you know, him and whoever wins the quarterback are, are going to have trouble uh, overthrowing, throwing uh, him. He can just, you know, he glides, he accelerates, he's, and then he's tough. You know, he's got the mentality for it, too. He's um, also Eric, confident. He is incredibly confident after last year. I, I will also say this. Very good. Very good practice player. I was watching. I mean, he is an intent practice player. Yeah, he's, he's doing this and that stuff. But, man, when it's ready to go, he it's like I said, he does everything fast. I mean, yeah. he's, he's a good player. Um, Eric, uh, last question uh, for the day. Uh, I'll let Justin chime in here, too, a little bit. Um it's it's around the um, young offensive linemen. Who who do you think are the most two or three likely to play, and do you think actually more than that will play? Um, I think pretty much all of them will play. Maybe uh, Connor Robertson and uh, Robertson and uh, Neto might play the least. I think if, if, you know if they're on pace for that. I think Cole Hudson's going to play a lot. Uh, the three most likely to start a game in order to me are. Um, I would say Kelvin Banks, then uh, Cameron Williams, and then Devon Campbell. I know people would be surprised to hear Devon Campbell third, but that's just because I think they have more bodies at guard. Um, you know, however, if they do play Angelo at center, then maybe we'll see Campbell come in first. But to me, I think uh, Cole Hudson would be the first uh, freshman guard in. Kelvin Banks, to me, is the most likely tackle to play, except for, you know, Carrick. Carrick might put up a bigger fight than uh, Christian Jones on Cam Williams. But I think it'll be – you know, my prediction uh, that I wrote a week or two ago was that Kelvin Banks would would start would end the season starting at left tackle, and Cam Williams would end the season starting at right tackle. Yeah, I. Three, Justin, what do you think? The three guys. I'm with Eric for the most part. I, I think it's Kelvin Banks. I think it's Cam Williams. I, I kind of have. A, I'm giving Cole Hudson a little bit of an edge over DJ Campbell, only because he was the guy that enrolled early. He got a six month head start on all of these guys. And I think when we saw him running a little bit with the ones yesterday was more proof of that. 
Cole's yeah. a big kid. He's a smart kid. He's athletic. He comes from an athletic family that takes sports very seriously. And so it, the, the, the three that I feel like are not only going to play a, uh, play early but play a lot would be those guys. I, I tell you one thing that I, that I would say right now, Justin, uh, that I noticed yesterday. Um, Cole Hudson is – you may you said smart, but he's a smart football player. Like he knows – he's already figured out where he needs to chip the guy at on the second level. He's already gone yeah. through all of that, and he's played guard – um before and so i like that, run that on as well and I was, Cody Clearman, I was, i'll get a new plant just for you i was thinking about him the other day it's gonna it might go down as one of the smartest early enrollee decisions of all time given all the other all the other players that came in um you know i always like him, him to uh, hayden connor and i think that i think they're on the verge of having two hayden connors in the program now nah, that's a good one eric all right hey eric nalene publisher inside texas justin wells Analyst, reporter, InsideTexas.com, despite the Boston Red Sox hat. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Please visit us and join us at InsideTexas.com. We're there each and every day trying to give you guys as much information as possible on the Longhorns. Uh, for Eric Nalene and Justin Wells, I'm Bobby Burton, and this has been a live edition of On Texas Football.